So this week, I am sharing a really exciting announcement. And if you're listening live this week, I'm also bringing back one part of my three-part series on how to unlock the power of ChatGPT. And I'm doing both of these things because I just launched a new ChatGPT resource for nonprofits that I am so, so excited about. It's the nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters. So for those of you who are longtime listeners, you have heard me talk about ChatGPT before. I am really bought into this tool. It is not some fancy, super techie tool that needs to be built out and figured out. It should be as integrated into your workflow and as simple as Google Docs. It's a capacity builder and a time saver. And my goal is to make it easy for organizations, particularly small and growing organizations where time and money and capacity are really an issue to tap into the power of ChatGPT. If you aren't, you're leaving capacity on the table and I want to help you solve that problem. So I took the questions and the conversations that I've been having with nonprofits for the last really six or seven months and turned it into a concrete tool, which is one of my favorite things to do. The nonprofit ChatGPT headquarters is an all-in-one workspace that supports you at every phase of using ChatGPT in your workflow, from giving you ideas to giving you prompts that you can cut and paste right into ChatGPT, to giving you an already built out place to save and organize the prompts that you like, the personalities that you try, and all of the work that you do using ChatGPT. So, If you are still on the fence about ChatGPT, listen to this week's episode. If you're listening to a different episode and hearing this preview, head on over to this week's episode and get inspired. And when you're ready to take the next step and start saving you and your team hours of time and brain energy every week, you can head to brookrichiebabbage.com backslash ChatGPT dash HQ and grab the workspace. Enjoy. Hi, this is the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, and I'm your host, Brooke Ritchie Babbage. Each week, I do a deep dive into the mindset and strategies and tactics and tools of scaling an incredible high-impact nonprofit. I'm so glad you're here. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever looked at your calendar and thought some version of this? There are so many meetings and check-ins on this calendar that I don't actually know when I'm going to have time to get things done. When am I going to have time to execute on any of the things that come out of the meetings? And probably more importantly, when am I going to have time for real work, like the visioning and the strategy and the planning and the relationship building that I'm supposed to be doing as the leader of this organization? So that's a trick question because I already know the answer. When I think about one thing that the vast majority of the nonprofit leaders that I work with have in common, it's that sense that there's just a tad too much, too much to raise money for, too many meetings, too much programming. So today I want to talk about the too muchness and the single most powerful solution to that problem how to say no. Saying no 
especially to something that feels important or valuable, is simultaneously so, so hard and so, so important. It's like equal parts difficult and critical, and that's really rare. So I'm going to give you a playbook, how to diagnose if an inability to say no is hurting your organization. Hint, it probably is in small ways, maybe big ways, and a strategy for doing it better. Now, if you're not in a place where you can take notes, that's okay. Just make sure you're signed up for my Leadership Forward 321 newsletter. I have an issue coming up this month if you're listening live or in the archives if it's after September, where I'm going to walk through what I'm covering here and share a few extra tools to guide you. You can sign up at brookwitchybabbage.com backslash leadership forward. So let's start with the diagnosis. Think about whether any of this sounds familiar to you. Your strategic plan seems a little bit more like a menu of activities than a tight, focused roadmap to clear impact. Or maybe this. You look around and somehow you have this oddly expanding set of programs. A new after-school program to meet the needs of this part of your community. A reading program to serve this other part of the community. You just started a training program for the young adults who were in your programs before but are now aging out and you don't really want to let them go because you can see the need that they have, you get where I'm going. Another one, your board has seven tiny projects that no one is really moving forward on instead of one or two central projects that everyone is supporting. Your small but mighty staff is dangerously close to burnout but there's still somehow work not getting done. All of these are a signal of a deeper problem, the failure to say no to enough things. It's that simple. If you feel like there's too much, it's because there's too much. It's because explicit trade-offs are not being made, and that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because everything you do in your organization requires resources, time or money, somebody's time and somebody's money, everything. Expanding programs mean an expanding budget and more fundraising and more staff and more staff time and more energy. Too many activities in your strategic plan means that you're going to get more no's from funders and passes from donors because they won't be able to quickly and easily understand what you're really doing and what you're really focusing on and what they're investing in and why. Micro board projects mean diffuse energy and attention and more discrete relationships to manage on the board level and a calendar filled with meetings that you probably should and could have said no to means that you are not building deeper relationships with stakeholders and donors, that you're not doing the visioning and the planning and the work that serves as rocket fuel for your revenue and your impact. Or you're not sleeping, (laughs) or maybe both. What I'm trying to say is that overwhelm and complexity and clutter in all of its forms, that too muchness, They are very often the result of too few no's, and there is a cost. Now, I want to be really clear. I want to go on the record and say I am not judging at all, at all, 
I more than get it. If you're anything like me, every time you're faced with a list of options, many of which, maybe all of which feel important or exciting, and you have to cut some of them, what you're actually going to start doing, because most humans do this, is finding ways to fit everything in. Finding ways not to have to say no. We'll all work a little later. We'll all sleep a little less. We'll just raise a little more money. The problem is that saying no to some of those things can feel like we're signaling that the thing we're saying no to isn't important. That a no means a rejection. A no means this isn't valuable, full stop. And that can leave us feeling at best adrift and at worst, feeling out of alignment with maybe the reason that you started the organization or came to the organization, the values of the organization. It can create real cognitive dissonance to say no to something that feels valuable. One of my toughest no's was around a program that I loved, that my organization needed to wind down. I want to share the story because I really do want to emphasize that the clarity with which I'm speaking about this, how important, critical it is to say no, even to things that feel important and valuable, comes both from a place of deep experience and empathy. So New York City, this is a decade and a half ago, maybe, New York City was on the brink of a really historic mayoral election. We had had the same mayor for three terms, which meant at the time that there were all of these young people who were coming of age politically in terms of their sort of conception of social justice and social impact and social issues who had only ever experienced one mayor. And now there was this opportunity for them to learn about elections right as the time that they were coming to understand the power of elections and what it meant to be part of a social contract in a community. So my organization had an opportunity to partner with the company that had created the digital infrastructure for Obama's first campaign, Blue State Digital. And it was an amazing partnership. We were going to build out, or we did build out a sort of digitally driven series of youth-led mayoral debates. We used all of these amazing online tools to rally young people to attend the debates and to have an opportunity to engage with the candidates around issues that they themselves were defining. I was in heaven. I don't know if you can hear my voice. I still just, it was a great project. I'm still really excited. It was exactly the kind of program or initiative that I had started the organization to do youth-led social impact. And it was a smashing success. New partnerships, record youth engagement and social issues, new funding, all of the things. It was great. Now, here's where the no came in. It should have been a time-boxed initiative, not an ongoing program. For many reasons that I won't get into here, having to do with our strategic direction and operational priorities, it should have ended at the end of the initiative. But I didn't want it to end. So I kept fundraising for it and investing staff time and energy and eking out program outcomes that over a year or two were increasingly out of alignment with our strategic plan and focus. But again, I loved the work. 
and I loved the kids. And really, if I'm honest, I loved the idea of the program until my director of programs sat me down during one of our bi-monthly planning meetings and really pushed me to see something that is central to what I want to get at with this episode. Why learning the skill of saying no is so important. What she helped me see was that by not winding down the program, I was actually draining resources, staff time, fundraising energy, operational capacity from other places. There was a choice that I was making. There was a trade-off. It wasn't explicit, but it was there. And so I had to make it explicit. I had to make a choice. Now, I share this to say, again, that I really do get it. Saying no is an uncomfortable skill to develop. And our minds will come up with every excuse in the book not to do it. And at the same time, as a leader, saying no is one of the most important jobs that you have. Internally, saying no when you need to helps you balance growth with impact and calibrate money with capacity. Externally, it's a powerful signal to stakeholders about where you're investing and where you're not. And it opens doors for deeper conversations about the why behind your decisions, behind your yeses and behind your noes. And that's where investments come from. That's why board members join boards. That's why they help fundraise. That's why people join your team. That's why donors and funders join you on your journey because they understand and feel an affinity for the why, for the yeses. So what is the secret to saying no? What's the playbook or the strategy for getting better at this? Priorities. That's it. That's the secret. It is way easier to say no to certain things when the reason is because you're saying yes to other things. I'm going to say that again. It is easier to say no to certain things when the reason is because you're saying yes to other things. Here's an example. No, we're not going to add three more school partnerships because we want to work on a deeper level with the children in our current schools. Another example, no, we're not going to launch that new community food program in the short term, which feels really exciting. And we have a partner lined up and it really would be awesome because we've decided to invest in our food justice research project, which will provide data that's going to help us build new exciting partnerships in the long term, tap into new funding sources in the intermediate term, and expand our thought leadership that allow us to expand our reach overall. If there's a deeper impact, a more lasting impact that we're going to have through this food justice research project, then by investing in the new community food program in the short term. Both would be good, one would be better. Having clear and powerful priorities that you believe in and that are affirmatively saying yes to is the secret to finding the will to say no. So how do you get clear about your priorities? I recommend five questions to ask yourself to help you make decisions about what you're going to say yes to and thus, what to say no to. These questions help you get out of your own head and stay focused on the end goal. And even if answering the questions doesn't immediately make the word no come out of your mouth, 
it might clarify the reasons why you're saying yes to certain things and give you sort of the strength to say no. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that the end goal is in mind. What's the result or vision or impact you're aiming for? Second, you want to make sure that you're clear about the choices that you're making, right? What is the trade-off? There's always a trade-off. And so you want to make that explicit. For example, let's say you're wrapping up your annual work planning process and there are seven goals that you and your team have identified. And you know that actually it's very, very difficult to effectively achieve seven goals in a year, particularly meaningful goals. So you know that you need to narrow your focus to three, maybe four. Here's how you use these five questions. Choose two to compare. You're going to compare all of them, but you start with two. And ask yourself these five questions first. If both of these things were immediately accomplished, which would have a bigger impact on our overall goal, our long-term desired impact, our mission, et cetera, right? That end goal that I asked you to keep in mind. If both were immediately accomplished, which would have bigger impact on our goal? Second, if both of these were immediately accomplished, which would be most value aligned for us organizationally? Third, if we had to eliminate one of the two things completely and never ever do it, which would be the least harmful? This is about your overall impact. It's sort of looking at it from a, a different angle. Fourth, if we could do both, but had to postpone one by six months, which would it be? This is about immediacy. What would the impact be on our end goal to simply put one of these off by six months? And fifth, between these two, assuming equal impact, which will require the most effort and cost beyond our current capacity? This requirement of additional resources and capacity is not dispositive, but should absolutely be considered when you're crafting your priorities. Now, you've asked these five questions. You have to pick one of the two for each of the five questions. And when you look at your final results, some of the answers are going to go one way. It could be that all five go in one way. It could be three go in one way and two go in the other. But there will be a winner, quote unquote. So you take that winner and do the comparison again between that winner and another option on the list until you've made your way through your list of seven. Now, you don't have to let this list decide, but this is, as I said, a way to begin to get out of your own head and out of your own gut and to identify priorities that you are affirmatively wanting to say yes to for reasons. They will have a bigger impact on our overall goal. They are most value aligned. We cannot eliminate them because eliminating them would have the most sort of deleterious impact on our outcome, on, on our end goal, right? We, we, they're more immediate. We don't want to postpone them. And we have close to the capacity we need, right? Those are the affirmative statements you want to be able to say to back up your priorities. Because when you can say yes to things for that reason, then when you look at the three of the seven or the four of the seven that you are not going to set as goals, you can shift to, okay, do we move these forward a year, right? Do we postpone them? 
in this conversation about priorities, maybe we've discovered we can fold this into something else or we don't actually need this. But most importantly, you're able to say we're not doing them because they don't have the biggest impact. They would have an impact. They would be great, like the community food program. It would be good, but it's not going to have the most impact. It's not going to move us forward the best, or it's going to drain our resources. There are reasons to say yes and reasons to say no. Let's look at one more example. Now, in the strategic work planning example, I gave you sort of two specific items to compare, right? One to say yes to and one to say no to. Now imagine you're thinking about adding a new program, something where the trade-off isn't immediately obvious, sort of like in my example of the program that I wouldn't let go of. You have to remember that saying yes to something is always a choice. There's always a trade-off. And part of what you want to do in this process of clarifying your priorities to give you strength to say no is you want to name that trade-off. Make the thing or things that you'd be saying no to if you said yes to this thing visible. When you're deciding about something open-ended, like whether to add a new program, whether to accept a meeting with someone who wants to check in or pick your brain, take a moment to say to yourself, what would I not be spending time, money, or energy on if I did this thing? And write them down, right? Make them visible so that the trade-offs are clear in your mind. The choice is not being made implicitly. It's being made explicitly. What you're saying no to You are empowered, and I know we overuse that word, but it's really appropriate here. You are empowering yourself to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. Now, once that trade-off is clear in your mind, walk through these five questions as a way, again, of getting out of your head. Now, I want to say one last thing about all of this. And I said it at the beginning, and I'm just going to say it again. Saying no is hard, and that's why people don't do it. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying that if you do this, you will come up with a list of, you know, three goals out of your seven and you'll all move forward and everyone will agree. And won't it feel great that you've now clarified your priorities and it's okay that you're saying no to these things that are on the list for a reason, right? The reason that it's hard to say no, going back to the beginning of this episode, is because we have to make decisions, tough decisions, between competing priorities, things that feel sometimes equally valuable, equally important, or at least valuable and important enough to have made it on the list. These are people you want to meet with. These are board projects that someone's excited about. These are programs and initiatives that meet a need in your community. And so cutting them or saying no to them or postponing them has an emotional and perhaps even political and financial cost. I get that. But that doesn't mean that it isn't important to say no to them, right? There's a cost either way. And so part of what I'm trying to do by lifting up this sort of playbook is to give you a reason or a way to decide what you're going to say no to and what cost you're going to absorb. So to recap, Here's what we covered. Saying no is hard, but in leadership, we must do it. We must make decisions. We're making implicit decisions by not saying no. So we want to make those explicit and decide which costs we want to absorb. Saying no frees you up to be more strategic and deliberate in your actions. And the secret to saying no is knowing what you're saying yes to. Setting priorities by getting clear about your end goal, naming the trade-offs, 
and then asking these five orienting questions. I hope that this mini playbook is helpful to you. That's all for this week, and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. I always have so much fun doing these episodes. Definitely check out the links to all the goodies that I mentioned in this episode. You can get that at brookrichiebabbage.com backslash podcast for the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode and think that you have a friend or colleague who would also enjoy, I would love if you would leave a review and share. Have a great week. 